This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast, presented by Fantrax Radio. I am your host tonight, Joe Saunders. What is happening? And with me, as always, is Nick Ligatino. Uh, this is weird. And Pat Donovan. Hey, Nick, did you find Joe Panic's second half ISO yet? Oh, God. It's been a week. <laughs> the people want to know. So uh, today we got a we got a little bit of a change of pace here. I'm gonna host. Um, we're gonna run down some news and notes of the last week, some positional updates, just uh, updates on some different players uh, from each of positions and catch and uh, starting pitchers, and then uh, some updates around relief pitcher situations. So let's jump right into it with news and notes. So we got Xander Bogarts. 10-day DL with an ankle injury, non-displaced fracture in his ankle. He's set to miss 10 to 14 days. Um, any ideas on replacements for Bogarts? Yeah, it sucks because Bogarts was – you kind of expected the power to come. He hit a bunch of doubles to start the year. He looked really good. Joe, I know you started to believe in the swing change. I did. Um, but if you need to pick up some people, uh, right now a guy like Angelton, Sim- Angelton Simmons is only owned at 59% uh, in Yahoo Leagues. Uh you know, he last year went 14, 19, 278. We know the story. Uh, and if you want something, if you want someone safe, boring, who's not going to hurt you at all, uh, it's Jubal Cabrera, Cabrera. Guy, you know, hits a decent average and may get you pop here or there. Hit a bomb nice. today. Too. There you go. Yeah, a couple of other names. Uh, 12 team mixers. Simeon, 38%. Dansby Swanson's off to a nice start, 42%. I definitely prefer Simeon over Swanson. Uh, but he's out there in some leagues. Solarte, 40%. If you want to go a little deeper, Tim Beckham, 28%. And if you're really, really reaching, Catel Marte, 7%. But you're so, Mercer. Well, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Love Jordy. His time will come. You know who I, you know who I do like, though? Aledmus. Yeah. Yeah. He's better than Jordy. He was good once, like yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, we have Anthony Rizzo, who had hit, who hit the 10-day DO with a back injury. Um, so he's expected to miss about a week more. Um, and we'll discuss his slow start uh, later on in the show. But who are some names that you could look to as potential replacements? Uh, so a guy that's only 9% on right now, Steve Pierce, really good platoon bat. Uh, he's going to get you the power. He always paces out for like 30 home run type pop. If he gets the playing time, um, just start him versus righties and he'll roll lefties, lefties. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Uh, Pierce is on my list, but, uh, some guys that might be owned in your 12 team mixers that might be a little more, um, attractive. Eric Dames. 55%. 
he's in line for playing time with well, and Kane. 55% on Thames? Yep. That's pretty low. Belt, 45%. Alonzo, 43%. And then some deeper names to go with Pierce. Lucas Duda, 17%. And Tyler Austin at 7%. There's a lot of good names in that bunch. Yeah. Yeah, first base is uh, deep, as always. All right, next up we got Will Myers. So he's not expected to return when he's first eligible, and he's not cleared to swing yet. So bad news on Pat's boy. What are are our thoughts on Will Myers? Yeah, it's bad news when you have a couple of jabronis that (laughs) force you to take him in round four of an OBP league where he's not even that good. But go ahead, Nick. Tell us how... It's going to be sunshine and rainbows in San Diego. You took the words out of my mouth. It's going to be sunshine and rainbows. You, uh, rainbows. rainbows. It's going to be sunshine and Wilson rainbows. Um, no, you've got uh, you've got uh, uh, Jose Perella who's been playing really, really well, and he's going to continue to get good OBP. And you've got Hosmer. Um, I think when Myers comes back, we're going to see a nice jump in his counting sets. Don't panic. I'm much more panicked on Rizzo than I am with Myers because I just cannot deal with back. They could come in at any time, um, but just be patient. He'll be fine. So yeah. are you using this as a buy low opportunity? Definitely. Definitely. On um, both guys. The only thing that's not hurt on Myers right now is his back. So Nick's not worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> everything else everything else will be fine. <laughs> Listen, he's not progressing quickly. He had a bunch of different issues at once. What's keeping him out right now is the elbow, but uh, he was pretty banged up even before that. He's got no path back to first place with Hosmer on the team. He has to play the outfield, and he's always had trouble staying healthy in the outfield. Um, So, I mean, I'm not buying him. If I had him um, and he came back and he hit well, I think I would sell because I just foresee this being one of those years where he's in and out of the lineup all year. Yeah, and that, that was his downfall right before he kind of broke out a few years ago. That was like his thing, right? He was like hurt and really not producing. So, I mean, he could fall back in, into it again. I, I mean, I'm I'm less worried about Rizzo. He's got the longer track record. Um, so yeah, I'd be I'd be a little worried about Myers too. Next up, we got uh, Corey Knebel, as I think we're pronouncing it now. He hit the DL with a hamstring injury, and he's out four to six weeks. We tweeted a, a bit about um, his replacement, Jacob Barnes. He got the first try, but imploded um, due to some poor defense. And Albers got uh, a save chance the other night, um, but he blew it as well. But then he, he closed it out in the second inning. So what do we make of this mess in Milwaukee? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's just an absolute mess. Um, if I'm the Brewers, I'm just putting in Hater for the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning every game. But <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sure his arm won't fall off. Yeah, no. Um, a guy That'd be watch- fine too. It's it's like it's like Will Myers. Yeah. Um, so listen, this is a disaster. I I, I honestly wouldn't ro- roster. Um, Al, I would, I would, I would roster Albers, but I definitely would not roster Jeffress because he's just going to get blown up. He's not that good a pitcher. Um, and I don't know. Are there any other stashes? Like, do you think anyone else on this team is possibly going to step up into that into that role? I mean, if I was if I was willing to wager on this situation, I think I would bet on Barnes because he's got the better skills than Albers. He pitched a clean inning last night. Um, they may be in line for a save situation tonight. So 
we may see Barnes pitch in the ninth tonight because I would imagine Albers will be unavailable after pitching two innings. Um, Hader's still the most desirable guy because, I mean, he's just a stud, you know, multi-inning guy who's going to help you with ratios. But, I mean, Jeremy Jeffries is there. There's a chance that he gets a shot. I'm just staying away. Like, I would much rather have Bud Norris, for instance, and just take whatever saves he's going to give me before Greg Holland takes that job as opposed to trying to figure this mess out. Yeah, I, I think Hater's still the guy that you want to own in that bullpen, even though he's he's got no shot at ever sniffing the saves. He's been, like, awesome this year, too. Yeah. All right, he so... He was awesome um, last year, too. I mean, yeah. he's just, he is awesome. Mm-hmm. So next we got his uh, a Brewer teammate, Christian Yelich. He hit the DL with an oblique injury. Um, so the Brewers were hoping that he would avoid the DL... Are you trying to make an opportunistic deal and uh, go after Yelich? And Kane was also hurt. He hurt his quad last night after some weird injury uh, running into Jose Martinez at first. Um, so who's the name to target for the next week or so in Yelich's or potentially Kane's place? Um, as far as Yelich goes, he's a rare player where I would still try and make a deal for, even with an oblique injury, because he's just such a good hitter that – I don't think he'll necessarily have to like completely hit for power to be to be useful. Well, he'll still he'll still be the top of that lineup. He'll get on base and he'll score a ton of runs. Uh, so yeah, go out and see what you, see what you could get. I mean, see what you could offer for him. Start low and then work your way up. As far as Kane, I, I think Kane's gonna be all right. It looks like he's gonna be all right. Uh, him and Jose, Jose Martinez look like they both both escaped what could have been a pretty bad injury for both of them. Um, but a guy to target right now, I think, is you got to take a look at Matt Kemp. He's only 20% owned. He's been good so far. He's getting the ABs. Uh, he's batting 273. He's coming off a year where he, like, silently paced out for, like, 25-ish home runs and had a solid OPS again. Uh, he's a good guy to target, and he's he's definitely available in most leagues. Stephen Piscotti as well is another guy. Um, and... Uh, the guy we spoke about a lot in the in spring training, Willie Calhoun, he's going to make his way up very soon, in my opinion. So stash him now while you can, because when he comes up, he's gonna his his percentage is going to go from like ten to like fifty overnight. Yeah, I, I don't foresee these issues um, as long term um, problems. I would be buying Yelich, um, and I'd certainly throw an offer out there for Kane as well. I agree with you guys. I think Kane is going to avoid the DL. Um, some names that I like to replace Yelich in particular because um, he's a you know a bit of power, a bit of speed, a bit of average. But Kane is that as well. Josh Reddick uh, on Houston is is pretty available. So is David Peralta in Arizona, who's off to a very nice start. I know that Joe picked him up uh, in our home league. And uh, but if you you want a little more of a home run play, uh, Lewis Brinson is still you know virtually free in 12-team mixed leagues. And, um, you know, he's got a ton of upside. Um, you know, maybe he can swipe a few bags, hit a couple of bombs, and hit for a decent average for a couple of weeks after struggling out of the gate. So I'm going to roll this uh, into the next guy that's hurt. Um, and, Nick, you touched up on Willie Calhoun, and I think that's a really good add um, because Rugnet Odor just hit the DL uh, today with a grade one hamstring strain, and he's expected out three weeks. Um, so I think now is as good a time as, as ever to make a, a stash on Calhoun before he gets the call. And like you said, before he's owned, um, 
pretty much everywhere. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, he's he's going to be up very, very, very soon. Um, it's not a matter of, like, is he ready to come up? He's He was up last year, and he spent a lot of time in AAA. Um, so he's ready. He's going to get the call, and he's going to produce when he comes up. He's just a smart, polished hitter who uh, doesn't strike out much. He walks, and, he makes, and he's got very high power upside. I love him. He's one of my favorite prospects in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see the path there now that Odor is hurt. I mean, I don't think they'll play Calhoun in second, but Mm-mm. they can kind of shift their pieces around and, and make it work if they want to. So, yeah, I, th- I think that making a preemptive ad at this point on Calhoun, especially because he wasn't the guy that they called up right now. you know, So he could still be five days a week out, but uh, you know, I expect him to be up before the end of the month. Yeah. All right, and last bit of news, uh, Eugenio Suarez, he fractured his thumb. Um, do we think Senzel gets the call up now-ish or a little bit out still? I think he's still a little bit out. I think he's a little bit out too. Agree. He didn't tear the cover off the ball this spring. Um, I don't know what their motivation is to call him up. Uh, they can get an extra year of control if they keep him down yeah. another three days. Mm-hmm. But that's like the glass half full version because then he's – eligible for super two. So why are they going to rush him up, make him a super two player when they can wait another few months, be in the same exact position that they're in and then call up Senzel. Um, It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'd be very surprised if he's up Um, replacing Suarez. I I think a guy like Colin Moran is a very good fit. He's off to a very nice start this year. Um, He's hitting a little lower in that lineup, but I think he could find his way up. Um, Todd Frazier also, if he's available, um, provides a comparable sort of power speed profile to Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think Senzel, uh, he's still a little ways away. All right. So let's, uh, let's roll into some positional updates. So we're going to be going through each different position and talking about guys that are hot, cold in between just guys that we want to talk about. So first up, we're talking about catcher and, uh, Gary Sanchez through 33 plate appearances. He's got a, 0.063, 0.091, triple slash. That is mm, awful. Yummy. With Yikes. a home run, two runs, and three RBI. Um, does Gary Sanchez put it together this year? Is yeah, he alive? It's your boy, Pat. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm not really that concerned because he's he doesn't have any kind of strikeout issues right now. I think he's striking out around 18% of the time. Um, it's just been contact related and contact results. Um, and there's nothing that's really that crazy in his profile that hints that there are really glaring issues. I mean, he hasn't really hit many line drives yet, but line drives kind of come and go for hitters. I mean, that's when they're, when they're hot, they're hitting line drives when they're not, they're not hitting line drives. Um, I think Gary's going to be fine. I think the calf injury could help him um, just because he got a couple of days off just to clear his head. He's back in the lineup tonight. DHing, I mean, against Chris Sale, but whatever. It, I, the K rate's fine. That's the most important thing to me. It's just bad BABIP. I'm expecting the power and the average to come. I, I, it's just a slump. It's just a slump, and all the Yankees are in it right now, except for DD. 
Um, he's going to snap out of it. Uh, just something to reference. Last year in March and April, he batted 150 as well. He's He could just be the type of guy that's always off to a bad start, like the way Paul Canarco was every March and April. They just come out of the gate cold and then heat up. Um, so it's a guy that I would not panic on at all. He's the best catcher in baseball and go out and try and go out and try and get him. Hope this lasts another week, two weeks, and then go out and try and get him with every, everything you can. All right. Next up, we got Yadier Molina, who's come out of the gate swinging a, a hot bat through 40 plate appearances. He's batting 289 uh, with a 300 on base percentage and 553 uh, slugging percentage. But the three home runs, five runs, six RBIs, and a stolen base. Does Yadi keep it up? You know what? I, I'm kind of on board with Yadi Molina. Um, I'm on board too, man. Yeah, I am. And you look at last year, like, he almost went 2010. Uh, you know, 18 9. It's pretty close. But 273 average, as per the usual. He's a great, you know, contact theory. He's always hit over 270 in every single year uh, since he's been in the league. Um, decent OBP, and he's on a good team now. You've got Ozuna there. You've got Martinez. Uh, it's a pretty good offense. So the counting stats could be there. Last year, 82 RBIs. That's not bad from a catcher. Um, that's actually pretty damn good for a catcher. So I- I'm on board with it, and he looks great. I don't know if he underwent a swing change, but his swing looks really friggin' good. I've watched a lot of the Cardinals so far this year, and he's hitting, he's hitting the ball very, very hard. So I kind of expect it to continue, not at this pace, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a repeat of last year where he comes right around 20 home runs. Uh, you know, he steals some bases and hits for good average. Very Jonathan Lucroy-esque in the good the good days of Lucroy. Molina's building on what he did last year. I mean, he finished really strong. He had a pull-heavy approach, and that's carried over. And that led to a late career power surge. Molina's never been a guy with strikeout issues. So, I mean, you combine an uptick with power – to like an upper teen sort of level. You're looking at like a 285 average, like Nick said, right around 20-ish home runs, a little bit of speed from the catcher position, and plus volume. Um, so he was probably a value on draft day, and I think people that drafted him have got to be pretty satisfied at this point. Yeah, totally. All right, and our last catcher is uh, Chris Iannetta. With through 34 plate appearances, he's got a 345, 441, 517 triple slash. One home run, four runs, and five RBIs. So does Chris Iannetta keep it up in Colorado? Uh, all right. So obviously I do not believe in the batting average. That he's not going to keep up. But the power is kind of real. Uh, if you look at the years past and then look at his years in Colorado, uh, he hit for pretty decent power. And he's got the job to himself now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish at like – you know, uh, eighteen between eighteen and twenty home runs, a two sixty average, and pretty decent counting stats. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing to me is is that he's getting the volume in Colorado. Yeah, it's all about playing time, and there's so, no I mean, one else. But Tom Murphy. Well, what about oh, your boy your Tom boy, Murphy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they apparently hate Tom Murphy. What the yeah, hell is well, going on? They've got Chris Iannetta. He's really good. Play. Well, you know why? Every time Murphy's come up, he's been like atrocious. He's like 0 for 50. Is he even up? Well, oh, no, okay. when he has come up. I was about up. to say. It was like, I, I don't even think I've seen him. He disappeared <laughs> like Ever. Joe Panic second half ISO. Oh, <laughs> uh, but another thing with Ionetta, I mean, like, they're they're pretty on him right now. I mean, he's hit second a couple of times. Um, and if he gets that sort of volume in cores, 
I think he's a lot to finish almost as a top 10, as a top 12 catcher, right? A hundred percent. I mean, if he's hitting, if he's taking, you know, he's not 65, 70% of the catcher starts, he's going to be a top 12 catcher. He gets a huge boost in, in OBP leagues too. I mean, he's a, he's a perennial double digit walk guy. Yeah, but I'm not even, I'm not even sold that the average is going to be that bad this year. I mean, he hit pretty good for average last year. I don't think he's got the strikeout problems that he used to have. You know, I, I think he's making a little bit more contact. And, I mean, like, I'm not I'm not saying he's going to hit, like, 280 or 290. But, like Nick said, perfectly reasonable, like, 260, 20 homer guy in Colorado. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, that's like a poor man's Wilson Contreras. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm on board too. Yeah, but Tom Murphy's batting 571 right now in AAA. Bring him up, you idiots! AAA. Bring him oh up! Oh my God! Give it's it never up. gonna happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we're going to first base. So uh, we talked a little bit about Rizzo before, but through 32 plate appearances, his triple slash is 107, 219, 214, one home run, t- two runs, and three RBI. Um, once Rizzo comes back, do you think he he breaks out of the the slump? Do you think this was is a good thing for him to sit so early in the season? What's what's the take here, Pat? You go first. I think, I mean, I'm not as adamant as Nick is about back injuries, but it is concerning, and it's sort of escalated. I mean, at first it was you know he's day to day, and now he's on the DL. Um, I'm concerned, but I'm not panicking. Um, it helps explain some of the early season struggles, why he looked a little bit out of whack. Um, but to me, I I think it's more of a slow start than anything else. Rizzo's among the elite hitters in baseball. Um, I'm on the buy side. I, I wouldn't mind throwing an offer or two out there for him. I mean, if I'm sitting there and I've got, um, you know, like Edwin Encarnacion, I would certainly consider throwing him out there for Anthony Rizzo at this point. Would you do Hoskins for Rizzo? Oh, Hoskins. He's so hot right now. He's like that Hansel. Yeah, he is like Hansel. I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, my instinct says it's 30 plate appearances and I should buy Rizzo, but I'd have to think very long and hard about that one at this point. So, I mean, I was with you on hating Hoskins. Uh, but I don't think I'm doing that trade today. I think I'd what, hang what out to mean? Hoskins. Who, who hated Hoskins? I I, I did at his ADP. So uh, did Pat, Pat, yeah, yeah. Pat wasn't well, too fond of yes, it. Yes, ADP. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I I think I think I'd actually so 30, 30 plate appearances has completely changed everybody's <laughs> mind. Well, and an injury. Well, it, yeah. What a bunch of losers. no. We didn't because none of us hated the the player. We just didn't like the ADP. There's nothing wrong with that. We it's, are flip floppers. People go people go nuts. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Listen, <laughs> uh, I am I am I am pretty worried if I'm the Rizzo owner right now. Um, th- like and like Pat said, this has been an all year thing. This was to start the season. This back issue, and it was we were hearing that it was tight. There was a cramp. There was this. Now all of a sudden he's going for MRIs, and the MRI did come back clean. Thank God, but. Um, it's turning into a more serious issue and back issues are the worst because he doesn't have to slide. He doesn't have to run into a wall. He doesn't have to do anything. He could take a regular swing and he could hit the DL if something feels off in his back. He's their star player. They do not want to rush him back. This could be a very Kershaw-esque situation. So if I'm the Rizzo owner, I am panicked 
Um, and I am, as far as the Encarnacion deal, um, I think I asked for maybe a throw in with Encarnacion, but I think it's pretty close. If you're the, if you guys are the, that's the line. yeah, I don't know if that's the, line. I think maybe you need a little bit more because correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Encarnacion off to a pretty bad start? I think he's off to an Encarnacion-ish start, which oh. means the power has been there, but the average is probably a little low. And a few in a second. Okay. He is... Yeah, 171, three home runs, four runs, four RBI. Yeah. And that's and the runs and RBIs are because nobody on Cleveland is hitting. Yeah. Their lineup is like a total disaster at this point. So wait, if you're the Rizzo owner and you're offered Encarnacion, are you taking it or no? Nope. Like you said, I think I need more. Yeah. Like, like let's say a throw in, like a good, like a, all right. So what if it's Hater and Encarnacion? Yeah, yeah, I take that. Then. Yeah, I like that deal. Okay. All right. That was exactly um, what I had in my mind. Nice. All right. Next up, we got uh, Justin Smoke. 49 through 49 plate appearances, uh, 357, 429, 619, triple slash, two home runs, eight runs, 10 RBI. So Justin Smoke is continuing what he did last year. Can he keep it up? Yes, he's really good. He's really, <laughs> really good. Um, did, did any of you deny this? Like, we all liked him, right, going into the year? No. I, I thought he was a among that group of the big middle at first base, and he was like the top of that class. Around who? Uh, I don't know. Between Smoke and... Josh Bell. Hos- Hosmer. Josh Bell is in that group. Ryan Zimmerman is in that group. Yeah. Um, Justin Bohr was in that group. See, I like, I like Smoke over everyone except for Bell that you just named. Okay. Well, I'm just saying... He was the most expensive guy of that group that was largely the same. Well, look, last year was a an obvious breakout. There was no fluke about it. I mean, the key rate went down to 20%, <clears throat> a big drop. He continued to, to walk, which he's always done. The OBP was 355. Um, he was getting on base. He just looked awesome all of last year. It was a consistent year, too. Um, he was good from the beginning until the end. So... I don't know. I just I, I think it was a real breakout, and I think we can continue. Uh, we're going to continue to see it happen this year as well. The, uh, the average is going to come down a little bit, but the power is going to stick. Everything else is going to stick. Yeah, I mean he's he has been crushing so far. The strikeout rate is up on its face, and that's a little concerning. But the underlying numbers are in line with last year. The swinging strike percentage is a little higher. The contact percentage is a little lower. But not out of hand. It wouldn't suggest a K percentage jump of almost 10%, which it is right now. Um, the batted ball profile looks amazing. He passes the eye test. The swing looks good. The approach looks good. The ball is popping off the bat. Um, I'm still not sold that he's going to be um, some gigantic leap forward at the end of the year. I think just just might be one of his hot stretches. But it doesn't mean that he can't be like a top 120, 100 bat. Um, and, you know, return his draft value, which I was a little skeptical of uh, pre-draft. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I was at, too. Right. I think um, now he's sh- he's showing it again. But I, I do agree that this is probably just one of his 
hot streaks. I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he'll be ice cold or back to what he was. Uh, like yeah, I mean, for years ago, but... for instance, he's got a 481 Babbitt right now. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll be pretty good. So like the K rate's gonna come down, but some of that Babbitt's gonna drop. All right, and uh, the last first baseman we got is Hanley Ramirez. So through 39 plate appearances, he's got a 324, 359, 459, triple slash, one home run, five runs, eight RBIs, and two stolen bases. So Hanley Ramirez uh, showing that shoulder is not an issue anymore. Yeah, I like him. I like him. Showing it's not an issue or – I mean, do we know that? I mean, he's, he's hitting, so who cares? Well, I mean, oh man, you just hate. Well, it's not that I just hate. It's just I don't, I don't think that we can exclaim after like forty plate appearances that his shoulder is fine and he's fantastic. Like it's just to me, like the numbers look good, the results look good, but he's he hasn't like the eye test hasn't been there for me. He's stolen a few bases, so yeah, like his legs are feeling good, great. But I don't think the balls have looked great coming off his bat generally. He's got lots of weak contact. Um, it looks like when he is striking the ball well, it's going into the right spots. The numbers bear that out. Um, but, I mean, like, again, like 393 Babbitt. Like, a lot of this is Babbitt-fueled. So, I mean, if I had him right now in the middle of that lineup looking healthy, I'm shopping him right now. I'm trying to get out before the fall comes. I agree. Okay. No, look, look, wait, no, I'm, I'm shopping him as well. And I do like the player and I liked him uh, like a couple of nights before the, before our draft, I started looking at him a little more because all the reports in spring training were that he's feels the healthiest he's felt in so long da da da. And so as, as far as the shoulder goes, it, it's, he was good through spring training. He's good. Now he looks great. If the shoulders healed, let's just say, and there's no issues this year. He's got the at-bat so far, and he's batting at a juicy part of one of the best lamps in baseball. He could repeat 2016, I think, which was his 30-home run year, 286, and all the good counting stats. Yeah, and right, and the beef that this is Bapit-fueled, I mean, it is only four, four, 39 plate appearances, so of course it's going to be Bapit-fueled. I mean, I, I, I'd be willing to wait like another week and if he's still doing well, um, then holding on. I mean, if he starts to tank, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'd rather wait it out and see what I have than try and trading Hanley. Because I, I, I just don't imagine that you'd really get a crazy offer unless see, you have I, a crazy I, Red I don't, Sox I, I See, I, I disagree with that. Like, I think that Hanley has – I mean, this all depends on your league. But Hanley has name recognition – but he was he's, so cheap. He's in the. He's on the Red Sox. He's in a juicy part of that lineup. You throw, yeah, but like you throw cheap out the window because it doesn't matter anymore. Nobody's going back and looking at the draft and being like, "Oh, well, Hanley was like almost free at the draft table." No, people are like watching this guy play and they're like, "Oh, Hanley, like he was amazing, like for." He's been amazing for stretches of career and he looks healthy and he's stealing bases and he's on the Red Sox and they're everywhere. So it, it becomes an easier asset to sell in most leagues as opposed to, you know, somebody it's, on. Well, it, it completely depends on what you're selling for. Like what, do, so what, what are we talking about? 
what's what's the sell? What are you? What kind of offer are you hoping for with Hanley? Like Andrew Miller, or that's way too much? Yeah, I was thinking a reliever too. Yeah, see, like Andrew Miller, I would take definitely. Of course, of course, if you're the hand, oh my god, of course you take Andrew Miller. But is that like where we're talking to give people an idea? I mean, are you thinking Kevin Kiermaier? What about Kiermaier, who's been off to his? Well, well Kiermaier is banged up, so I don't think I'm trying to buy a banged up asset. Um, what about someone like Hunter Strickland? That's a that's a good line. Um, I, see, I think I, I can I think do that, a little better. Yeah, you could probably do a little better than that. But I mean, like, let's let's else. throw some let's throw out like something else other than relievers because now we've thrown out nothing but relievers for this entire show. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying so to think of like a bat. How about a uh, was it? Uh, I love Jose Perella, but that won't work. Nah, no way. Um, what about mm-hmm. Logan Morrison? No, because Logan Morrison was also like free, and he's been a lot worse than Hanley at this point. Yeah, nah. I'll pass on that. I don't know. Let's think about it and move on to the next guy. So yeah, we yeah. don't have radio silence for everybody yeah. that's listening. Yeah, while we're we're thinking. We need thinking music. All right, so next up, we're going to go to second base. Uh, so we'll start off with the Cleveland Indians' Jose Ramirez. Oh, God! Yeah, it's been awful. So he homered tonight. I don't hey. care. So through 43 <laughs> plate appearances before tonight, right, he was triple slashing 086 256, 171 with one home run. Now he's got two. Two runs and four RBIs. This Jose Ramirez break out of this. Oh, you know, if if I didn't love the guy I, I, and I saw what he did all spring training, because I'm t- if you could look up the spring training, st- uh, tra- uh, yeah, spring training stats, they're even uglier than the, the MLB stats from this year. He's been cold since like January 1st. I don't know. Maybe he drank too much on New Year's Eve. He's been awful. He looks terrible. <laughs> the good thing is, somehow, some way, he's walking 18.6% of the time, and he hasn't struck it out, like, at all. I don't get it. Um, but listen, this is one of the more skilled hitters in baseball. He's a natural hitter. He could spray the ball all over the field. He's definitely, definitely – there's anybody to bank on getting it together as far as average goes. It's this guy. Um so don't worry about Ramirez at all and go out and try and buy him. Another good buying opportunity. I mean, there's no issue with the strikeout rate, right? Like he's walking at more than a three for one clip. So that's good. Um, the swing to me looks messy. He's got too many fly balls and he's trying too hard to hit bombs in my opinion. Um, you know, when we talked about Bogarts last week, we were talking about the swing change and I expressed, you know, there is such a thing as taking it too far. And and this is sort of what I've what I meant. And it, granted, it's an exceedingly small sample. So it could just be small sample variance. And I'm not concerned about Ramirez becoming some 250 hitter because he's gonna hit the ball in the air all the time. Um but I, I like Ramirez generally. I think he's a good buy low candidate. Um, but I'm I'm definitely not gonna pay full fare for him. Um you know, and we're talking. We've been talking about BABIP and small samples. His BABIP is point zero six three. That's not going to stick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's it, it, that's not going to that's not going to be the case. He, he's going to be. I think he's going to be fine. I just think somebody 
uh, in that organization just needs to tell him to cool a little bit with the fly balls. Chris yeah. Taylor and uh, Corey Seager just went back to back. Yeah, I mean, it's it oh, good. Chris Taylor on my bench. How nice. There you go. It, it doesn't help, too, that, right, um, all those games up there, up north, I mean, Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota, it's been freaking cold. Good point. So, I mean, Lindor is cold. Ramirez is cold. Edwin's cold. Lindor! I mean, Lindor is inside of a glacier right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it... I, I imagine that once it heats up, they'll heat up a bit too. And and Jose, Jose Ramirez is just too good to to be. Yeah, he's guy. the man. <laughs> but the, the next guy. Oh, the next guy, Ozzy Albies. Oh Seven. my god, <laughs> he's like the hottest two twenty seven hitter ever. He really <laughs> is. All right, so two twenty seven, two forty four, five forty five, with three home runs, nine runs, six RBIs, and one stolen base. So we've seen more pop than we've seen the speed. Uh, what's the take here on Albies? Um, well, we haven't seen speed because he hasn't been getting on base and he's only been hitting home runs. So that's, <laughs> that's why we haven't seen speed. Um, but one. Albies. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is my guy and I love him. He has the nicest swing in all of baseball. He's going to crush this year. I have not, I don't know. Is this, is this a good start or, or bad start? Uh, this is a good thing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a good start. So, um, listen, the batting average is definitely going to come up. The steals are going to come up as he gets on base more. He has not walked yet this year. That's going to come up. He, he walks. I don't know what he's doing this year, but um, it's all going to change. He, 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 he walks. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I like the lineup. It's underrated, and Akuna will be up soon, and it's going to be a really uh, scary lineup once he comes up. Um, and um, – yeah, he's going to be awesome. Albies is going to be ridiculous this year. Yeah, I mean, he's shown good power in the early going. The average hasn't been there, but, uh, you know, like with Ramirez, there's some BABIP issues, although Albies certainly aren't as bad as Ramirez is. Um, there's nothing particularly glaring in the profile other than the fact that he hasn't walked. Um, and like Nick said, you know, you want him to get on first so that way he can steal some bases and use that speed. Um, but the K rate is just 17%, so there's nothing to worry about there. The BABIP is 212. That's going to come up. He'll walk a little bit more. Um, that lineup looks pretty good. Um, somehow, some way, they're finding a way well, to a score a bunch of runs. Nick Markakis is their four hitter, Nick. Yeah, but it's not good. Dan, um, listen, if Dansby, if Dansby is for real, when Akuna comes up, this lineup is going to be stacked one through seven. Mm, like one through strong. four? No, Inciarte, Albies, Freeman, Acuna. Yeah. Okay, we know that Acuna is going to be good. Yes. I don't know about that. I don't know that I agree with that. All right, so I think we all agree, though, that the pop is nice to see. Yes. Because we think he's going to hit and steal. Yes. All right. Um. Our final second baseman, we got Cesar Hernandez, always ah, underrated. Hail Cesar. 313, 450, 469, triple slash, one home run, six runs, two ribbies, and two stolen bases. So, um, like I mentioned, oft in underrated. What's the take on Hernandez? If, if I would have punted the position, or if I didn't have Albies, this is, would have been the guy that I would have went after. Um We've we've loved Hernandez forever on this podcast. I I don't understand 
how this guy just slides every single year, especially this year with this offense. He's going to score a ton of runs. The OBP right now is 450, and it's not fluky. Yeah, it's definitely higher than it will be, but last year, 373. The year before that, 371. The guy knows how to get on base. He walks. He doesn't strike out much. Um, he's got some pop. If he can get you to 10, if he gets you 10 plus home runs, it's money in the bank because he's going to get the steals. He's going to score the runs. He's going to get you average, a ton of OBP, huge boost in OBP leagues. Um, I love the guy. Yeah. I mean, he's still showing that plus walk rate, which you love. He's walking 20% of the time. Um, he's been running. He's got two steals in three attempts. Um, he was a bargain at the draft table all along. And like you said, uh, you know, he's just, he always seems to be undervalued just because he's not a huge steel threat and he's not a huge homer guy and nobody really pays for batting average. So, I mean, you're looking at a 285, 290 hitter, 10 homers, 20 steals, and a whole bunch of runs on that in that lineup. So, I mean, yeah, another guy that was just completely underrated going into the year and is going to turn a profit for a lot of people. Would, would yeah. you kind of agree that he's kind of Dexter Fowler-esque, but with infield? No, DJ LeMayhew. He's like cheap DJ LeMayhew. Yeah, except he's better than DJ LeMayhew. He is better than DJ LeMayhew. Yeah. I disagree with, with that, but okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's just move on to third base. Um, so our first third baseman is Miguel Sano. So he's slashing 258, 361, 645. Three home runs, seven runs, eight RBIs. This looks really nice until you look at the K rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is so Miguel Sano. Yeah. A BABIP around 500, a K percentage north of 40%, and a perfectly respectable line. This is like, this is Miguel Sano in a nutshell. When he's making contact, the ball's exploding off his bat, but otherwise. <laughs> The early season indicators look very similar to last year. He's going to mash when he makes contact, but he's in trouble if the batted ball luck turns on him. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good sell candidate. Um, you got him at a discount at the table because of the potential suspension, um, but there are other risk factors that people aren't thinking about. Um, you've got production concerns with the strikeout rate and the contact issues. And then you've also got his injury concerns. And there's masks right now. They're obscured because they're not in sight. So I think that you might want to consider throwing Sano's name on the trade block. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, um, as far as the power goes, though, we all believe in the power. I mean, he's going to hit for power, even whether even if the average is, goes down to where it can go which I think it has potential for like sub 230, which to me is like the magic number where if you're under that, then it becomes a question of are you – should you be rostered? Um, unless you're Joey Gallo. Unless you're Joey Gallo, yeah, because Joey Gallo's going to hit like 70 home runs. Well, it's because um, of steel. Yeah, true, and he'll steal as well. Um, all right, so my question to you guys is this. If you are the Sano owner um, – and he's obviously off to a really good start right now. Forget about team comp. Are you selling him for Anthony Rendon? Hell yeah. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I Okay, so someone a little bit closer. Would you trade Sano for Justin Turner? No. No. Okay. Turner's not even swinging a bat yet. Mm-hmm. But I think Rendon is the guy that you target if you're sticking with third base because he's off to kind of a slow start. Um. 
and then you can move on to Bregman. Although I'm not a huge fan of Bregman's, would you guys do Sano for Bregman? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. There, I I don't I don't know if those are necessarily close. What about Travis Shaw? No. Oh, I like Travis Shaw. See, I think that's closer because Rendon and Bregman are like, like almost near the top of the class at third baseman, even though they're struggling. Travis Shaw is like my boo. Well, Rendon was his ADP, his ADP was like seventy ish, and Sano was like ninety. I mean, it's not too no, far. No, Sano was lower than that. Sano was like one twenty. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, but that was before the case, no? Yeah, but yeah. that's what he was. Okay. So I'd probably, I'd probably rather have Shaw than Sano. So yeah, I'd make that deal. All right. Um, next up, we got Evan Longoria slumping like the rest of the Giants. Triple slash at 125, 125, 281, a home run, one run, two RBIs, and a stolen base. Um, is Longoria done? No. Uh, I don't think he's done, but right now he's carries like zero value. Nobody wants him. And he's always kind of, even when he was really good, he was always that guy you didn't want to pay the price for. Um, so now it's just he's – you're either – Holding on to him or you're dropping him. I don't think you could really set up a deal for Longoria. As far as the player goes, I think that he does get it together. Uh, obviously, the batting average will go up. He'll be a 260 hitter at the end of the year. But the power is going to be an issue. San Fran's a tough ball, uh, tough ballpark to hit home runs. Um, he's in the NL. He's facing better pitching as opposed to the AL East. Um but this team's going to get it together soon. They have a lot of guys that get on base. And if he does get it together, the counting sets could be nice because the OBP in front of him is really nice as far as Joe Panic and Barsaposi and Andrew McCutcheon go. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I wouldn't cut him just yet if you drafted him, but it's going to get to that point soon. Yeah, uh, Longo's had a dreadful bat at the start of the year. But, I mean, eye test-wise, he looks bad at the plate. He's striking out. He's swinging and missing a ton. No walks. He looks like he's trying to mash a home run every time he's up at bat. And that approach could really lead to a total downfall for him. Um, you know, when you look at a 34% K rate and a 0% walk rate, that's just, it's just not good. And I completely agree with Nick. You know, like this is a player that he was being drafted in a range where you can't even sell low on him if you wanted to because he's just not a desirable enough asset that somebody's going to want him. So he is your classic hold and hope that things get better or drop for um, the hot streak guy. Um, so he's a very difficult asset to own at this point. Yeah, and he never had uh, a skill set that would age particularly well in fantasy baseball, in a fantasy baseball perspective, right? Like he's kind of patient, but um, – so much is like tied to his batting average, which was never really, you know, super strong. And it was only when he exploded for those few years of 30 home runs that he really had a lot of value. So I don't know. I'm just, I'd, I'd probably just drop him out. Right. To be honest. He, he's always been that even when he was going like in the top of the second round, you didn't want to be the guy that took him. And if you did, you'd be like, Oh, I got long go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, next up is Matt's boy, Matt Davidson. Matt's uh, boy? Pat's, Pat's boy? Pat's boy. Pat's Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Screwed that up. Matt Drink. Davidson Sr.'s boy. Drinking too much. <laughs> so uh, triple slash in 250, 400, 714, 
four home runs, nine runs, and eight RBIs. Damn. All right, so I feel like I have to laugh sometimes at how dismissive analysts can be. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get on the soapbox here. Davidson crushed all spring after making changes to his approach and worked with Paul Canerco all offseason. He's a player that was actively trying to get better. The results showed in spring. He came out on opening day, mashed three bombs, and all everyone could say was Tuffy Rhodes. And to me, it's just lazy analysis. Um, you look at the underlying stuff. It's really encouraging. Small sample. K-rate is down to 31%. Walk rate has skyrocketed up to 17%, and it went higher today. This guy walked three times today. Way up. Davidson might deserve that K-rate, but I'm not so sure. He's got a 9.8% swinging strike rate compared to 16.3% last year. That's a major indicator that that 31% K rate is high. He's also cut his chase rate nearly 14%. He is His O swing right now is under 20%. He's not swinging at bad pitches. And he's making more contact. I don't think he's, he's going to be a stud, but if this approach sticks, we're looking at a guy that can very easily do the same things that Miguel Snow can do, which is 250, 260, 35 homers in the middle of a pretty good lineup. If you can buy him at like a top 200 type level, I'm completely in. I mean, Longoria was going 176.11, easily gone. Scooter Jeanette, goodbye. Logan Morrison, goodbye. Corey Dickerson, who's actually hitting well, goodbye. I'm trying to get this guy from people that do not believe in him because I think that this guy is going to break out. First off, I love that we mentioned Paul Canerco not once, but twice already tonight. That's right. Where else are you going to get that, people? <laughs> uh, but yeah, listen, um, I'm a believer in the power as well. He's a big kid, 6'3", 230. And I think the comp to Sano is actually really, really good. I think Sano has a little bit of a lower floor, though, as far as batting average goes, because it's just, I don't know, he just reeks of like a 220 hitter. It's well, gonna... in this current version, right? If you're, um, buying, if you're buying Davidson's, the new Davidson, you're right. If you're buying... If you're comparing Davidson, what he was last year, I think last year he hit like 215. He so, yeah, the batting average downside is pretty low. If but, you don't think he's made changes. But the thing is, like, we've only seen that high of a K rate from Davidson one time in his – I mean, I know it was his, his first full year in the bigs, but if you go back to his AAA, AA days – he kind of floated around 30. He was under 30 a couple of seasons, where Sano is every single year. He's in a really bad spot as far as K rate goes. So um, we could see, we could definitely see an improvement. I think you're right. I think that uh, if, if he, he definitely has the power, there's no one denying that. If he's able to keep the K rate at 30 or just under, he's going to be a stud. Yeah, I think the take here too is. Pat, like you mentioned, lazy analysis because he's got he is a post type sleeper, right? I mean, he wasn't particularly highly touted, but he's 27 years old. He's been around, so people are kind of like, oh, you know, he is what he is. But there's no reason why players can't make changes, and clearly, whatever he's doing, there's substantial changes here with the walk rate, and couple that with the fact that he did have double digit walk percentages throughout the minors. So it's not like he's completely changed. 
He's just made some tweaks. So I, I, I'm kind of on board with this. All right, next up, uh, we're going. We're moving on to shortstop. So uh, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Alex Bregman through 49 plate appearances, 175, 317, 225, triple slash, no home runs, two runs, and three RBIs. Um, Alex Bregman's too good to be this bad, right? Well, you're the Astros fan. Well, let you take this first. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I mean, he's he has struggled. There has been some at-bats where he's looked bad, but there's also been some at-bats where he's line drive balls into gloves. Um, he's also up there in uh, exit velo, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he's he's uh, up there in, in most hard-hit balls. So um, I'm not worried at all, and I think this could represent also a good buying opportunity. Nick, you touched up on this a little bit earlier, so... Uh, yeah, I'm not really worried about Bregman at all. Pat? I mean, it's tough to worry about a guy that's got an 18% walk rate and a 10% K rate. Um, to me, I think he's looked fine. Um, he's catching a little bit of the short end of the Babip stick. Um, the pop-ups are a little high, but he's still got a pretty strong line drive rate. I'm I'm not terribly worried. If you know if somebody's panicking, I'm listening and trying to acquire Bregman because he'll turn it around before long. And he's been a player that's throughout you know his short career has been prone to you know bouts of streakiness, and it's always seemed to come around at the end of the day. Yeah, this is another guy that I would say hope that he has another bad week or two, and then go out and try and get him. Uh, show the person that owns him that his hard contact rate is at 23%. Just text them the stat. Um, and uh, and try and pounce on it because he's one of the more skilled hitters in the league. Uh, you could expect a 275-plus batting average along with you know a decent home run and stolen base totals, but the really good counting stats. So uh, I think that you could expect to bounce back as well. Don't panic with him. All right, next up, we got the White Sox shortstop, Tim Anderson, through 38 plate appearances, 265, 342, 529, three home runs, seven runs, four ribbies, and he tacked on another stolen base, so he's up to six stolen bases. Oh, the category juice. There's a lot of it here. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of Ks, too. A lot of Ks. Um, Yeah, but he's walking. He's walking a lot. He is walking, finally. (laughs) This this is going to come down. I mean, the, the problem with him and the reason why I didn't think that he'd be able to bat at the top of the lineup was obviously the OBP issue. Last year, 276. The year before, 306. Not that bad. But 276, there's no way you could bat leadoff with that kind of OBP. This year, he's at 342 so far. That's the number that is the most encouraging when you look at Anderson. And the fact that he's been just flat out more patient at the plate and he's walking. Um I, there was no doubting the speed with this guy, and he does have the power. Last year, 17-15. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy go 20-21 day, but the big mystery for me is the batting average. Uh, I think the K rate does come down a little bit from 32, 34.2, which is where it's at now. I don't know now. about that. Yeah, it should come down to like – it's going to be sub-30. Why do you think it's in a stick? Because he's, he's still chasing a ton, and he's whiffing on everything. Yeah, but that's – I mean, he's never been – He's he's been very consistent as far as the K rate's been and so far in his major league career. It's twenty seven point one percent in twenty sixteen, twenty six point seven in twenty seventeen. Uh so I think you could expect the K rate to definitely come down a bunch. If the walk rate sticks though, uh this could be a breakout candidate as far as speed goes. He is 
very, very fast. Last year, he had 15 stolen bases, but he was shuffled around the lineup the entire year, and he did not get on base at all. If the OBP sticks around, let's just say 310, 320, we could see like 30 stolen base from this guy. I would not be surprised. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, you know, the walk rate is, I, I think, the key, as Nick said, because if he's getting on base, he can run. Um, he's also putting the ball in the air a ton with a good hard contact percentage. And we saw the power tick up last year. So Anderson might be tapping into latent power here. If he can do that with the respectable walk rate, he's going to be a very intriguing asset. Um, you know, I had said when we discussed Anderson during the shortstop podcast that this guy, uh, you know, there's a world out there where he could go like 2030. Um, and, you know, if the early season indicators are, you know, any indicators of potential future success, that might turn out to be accurate. Um, you know, he could be Jonathan VR from a few years ago, but he needs to keep the walk rate and he needs to keep a high BABIP. But to the high BABIP point, he's always been a high BABIP guy. He's a 347 career BABIP guy. Right now he's 333. So BABIP stays flat, walk rate stays around 10%. And if you can tick that carry next terms just a little bit down, just, just <laughs> down below 30, it could be a major, major value from draft day. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that, you know, I don't buy him the way I buy Davidson, but he's, he's a high volatility asset and whoever has him at this point is thrilled. Let me ask you guys a question. Let's say, uh, Tim Anderson is on, I don't know, a team with Francisco Lindor, um, who who would you offer and and you and you punted the position who who who's someone you would offer for Tim Anderson Oh that's tough cuz I mean his 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 ADP was so low that the value still isn't there it's still too early in the season if a month from now he's still playing pretty well then that's a different story but all right right now um Pat you know can you think of anyone offhand the name that's jumping out to me in my mind is Sean Manaya. And I really like Sean Manaya. That's pretty expensive. Sean Manaya. Well, Sean Manaya wasn't expensive on draft day. That's true. That's true. So I'm thinking to myself, all right. So like I'm thinking of like my fifth starting pitcher. And, you know, maybe I've got four in front of them that I like. You know, you have to, if, if you punted shortstop, you have to have assets someplace else. What about someone like Eric Thames? Yeah, I would do that if I had excess in power. Yeah. What about what about if you're the Anderson owner going out and trying to get Bogarts, like packaging Anderson with someone else for Bogarts? Is that or is that is it I, too early? I'm not the Bogarts guy, so you're not going to get me to say that, Joe. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know who you'd have to toss in though. You'd you'd probably have to package like the reliever. What if you did? What about what if Anderson and Jose Martinez get it done for you? If you're the Bogarts owner, yeah, yeah, interesting. Would, yeah, would, can you guys? For you? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't. I would not sell Bogarts for those two guys. Can and you, I love Jose Martinez. Can you guys give me an idea of who you would be willing to offer for Anderson? I mean, I threw out Manaya, so I mean, give me a um, give me a bat or well, a pitcher. Well, well, Thames was the guy that I thought of. Okay, yeah, and I, I think, think we're in the same ballpark with that one. Kiermaier is in the range. The problem is he's an outfielder. So it doesn't hold that. Yeah, but no one's going to trade. No, Tim Anderson's not. The Tim Anderson's owner is not going to take Kevin Kiermaier. Stop trying to trade Kevin Kiermaier. <laughs> some 200 batting average and a foot problem and a 40%. Oh, 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 wait. What about Mike Miner? That's a good offer. I'd rather have Anderson. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Anderson too. I think you're a little soft. Okay. <laughs> Called you soft. I'm very <laughs> hard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up, we have Zach Cozart. 265, 321, 490. Two home runs, eight runs because he's on the Angels. God. RBIs. What's the take on Cozart? Oh, God. <laughs> this, this guy was the guy if you punted the position. There's no doubt about it. Uh, definitely more of a safe play than Anderson. Last year he was had a, he had a really nice season last year. Twenty four home runs, two ninety seven batting average, um, and I think it kind of was swept under the rug and people just didn't pay attention to it. But look at him now batting lead off for the Angels. This could be a really really good season for for Cozart. I don't think he has the upside that he once did. Like when he was when he first came up in like 2012, 2013, I thought there was a guy who could go like twenty thirty. He had the speed, he had the power, um, but it kind of fizzled out when he was on the Reds. Um, but he is in probably the best spot right now he's been in his entire career. And I don't know. I think he's a guy that could hit 25 home runs, steal five-ish stolen bases, and give you a really nice average and a ton of ton of runs scored. Um, he's been pretty healthy the last couple of seasons as well. I think it's. I think it's. I think if you're the Cozart owner, you're sitting pretty right now. You make. You're gonna make a lot of money back on that ADP. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten off to a pretty nice start. He looks like a pretty good bet to end up with second base eligibility at some point during the course of the season if he doesn't already have it. Um, he's going to get third base when Kinsler comes back. So you're going to have second, third, and short, which is a really, really nice combo. Um, the batted ball profile seems to have carried over his gains from last year. Uh, I think he's super useful. And he's like the perfect throw in if you want to take on a two for one because whoever drafted him didn't spend on him and his production hasn't been so good that that person won't be willing to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. So like, All right. if somebody has to give you a little more, like he's the perfect guy I think to ask for. Yeah, and and like he's just gonna score a billion runs. Well, I don't even know if that's gonna happen because you know Kinsler Kinsler will come back. You're right. You're right. Adam Eaton is gonna score a billion runs, so not yeah. everyone can score a billion runs. Exactly. <laughs> Kinsler's gonna come back. Kozart will go somewhere in the middle of the lineup. You know, and he'll shift in and out of leadoff between you know like a leadoff spot and like sixth, but he's still gonna be useful. Like. If somebody has this idea in their head, like that Cozart's going to become useless when he's out of the top of that lineup, that's even more of the reason I think to go out and try and get him. Just because, especially in daily lineup leagues where you kind of move him in, out, up, down, I, I, I really like him for, for his eligibility. 
Yeah. All right, let's move on to outfield. So uh, let's start off with J.D. Martinez. 335 plate appearances, 226, 286, 419. A home run, four runs, and four RBI. Um, I don't actually know what he did today. I'm, just I'm gonna actually ass- looking that up right now. I'm going to assume he, he hit, had he had to do something. He hit a bomb off the, off the center field wall and drove in like 12 runs with that hit somehow. It was, a, it, was, it was a record breaker. It's the first time ever in MLB history. Oh, he wasn't even that great. He was one for five with two RBIs. Three RBIs? Oh, two RBIs. And that was... He crushed that ball. It was a ball. double. He crushed that ball. It was, it was a double insane. off Tommy Canely. Yeah. All right, so um, he's still struggling. So he's hitting 222 now with a 692 OPS. He's and he struck out twice more. He's struggling, but this is without a doubt one of the best buying opportunities. Although I doubt the JD Martinez owner is looking to sell. He's a guy that in in a lot of drafts people took him really high um, because of 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 the upside in in, in Boston. But look, last year I, I told you I texted you guys he had a six ninety slugging percentage. You don't see that ever, ever, ever. I think the last time you saw that was like Barry Bonds era. Um, He's a special player, 45 home runs and 489 plate appearances last year. And now he's batting cleanup on the Red Sox. Um, there's no denying the talent. He's going to turn it in. He's going to be awesome this year. Go out and try and get him with everything you got. So wait, I, I, you know what, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here. So right last year as a Diamondback, he had a 440 ISO, which has to be because – he was playing in Arizona. I mean, I know the ISO is 325 as a Tiger, but that's closer to his career line, a little bit closer to his career line. So, I, I mean, I, I do think he'll bounce back. I mean, he's striking out an enormous amount right now. Um, I don't think he'll sustain that. But I don't know. You can't. I don't think you can expect 40 home runs. Uh, I think you certainly can. See, I'm I'm gonna go with Joe here. Uh, my my one concern with Martinez, and it's not a major concern, is the ballpark and how it fits his skill set. Like he's a guy that has a lot of his power uh, to line drive uh, to to center and to the opposite field, and he's really a line drive hitter. Um, so like he's not like a big towering fly ball guy. So I. I'm not sure he's going to approach a 40 homer type level. I think he's going to be around. He'll be. I'll be. He'll be 30 or over. Yeah. And he's going to hit for a good average. Mm-hmm. You know, like 285, 290, maybe a little higher than that. Um, he's going to be good. It's just, I, I think that what we're seeing now is maybe a little bit of, um, slow start. To the year, I mean, he was a guy that didn't sign until after spring training already began. Um, he's certainly making a good amount of hard contact, and I think the approach is okay. The K rate's a little higher than it normally is, and walk rate's a little bit lower, but that's nothing to panic about. Um, I, I just I worry a little bit about how his skill set is going to play in that ballpark, and that's strictly from a power perspective. And it's not that he's going to be bad; it's just he might not reach the power ceiling that maybe Nick you you expect from him. Well, saying that the hard contact is good is an understatement. It's at 62% right now. 
Um, so that's yeah, it's fantastic, that's enormous. Um, and the the exit velo right now is really good as well at ninety three miles per hour. Um, the power is there, and I think that you could you could rely on thirty five plus home runs if he if he plays uh, if he gets the playing time and stays healthy. All right, next up we got Byron Buxton, thirty one plate appearances, one sixty one, one sixty one, one ninety four triple slash, the two twenty seven BAPIP, and no home runs, no runs. Two RBIs oh. and two stolen bases. How do you not score a run yet? Totally you. Bat- he's batting like 12th in the lineup. I know. It's so bad. Uh, Pat, go ahead. Start the heat. Look, Pat's Listen. Kidding. Pat's kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he's hitting close to the bottom of the lineup. He's striking out almost <laughs> one-third of the time without a walk. This is a player I think you have to be concerned about. Shock coming from me when it comes to Buxton. Um, 17% swing strike percentage. He's swinging and missing a ton. Um, where he's actually struggled the most is, is that he's still chasing pitches outside the zone, which was what ended up happening at the end of last year when the strikeout rate started to tick back up. Because if you recall, what happened with Buxton last year was he got off to a slow start because he couldn't hit anything. And because he couldn't hit anything, pitchers started throwing him the ball in the zone. And he eventually figured out how to make the contact inside the zone. So he went on a month-long tear. Pitchers adjusted, started throwing him more stuff outside the zone, strikeout rate came back up. That has continued this year. His O-swing is 39%. It's higher than it was I believe it's 8% higher than it was last year. Um, it, it, it's something to be concerned about. He's got to adjust again. Obviously, if you invested and you believed, you have to hang on. And that goes for most of these. I mean, almost all of these guys. You, you can't give in on these players too soon, particularly the ones that you invested in. You, If you believed in them and you had a projection for them and you felt confident in it, you know, screw it. I have to say about Byron Buxton, hold on. Um, but you know, with all of the glamor that came with taking Buxton, you need to understand that he's extremely streaky and he's got as much bust potential as pretty much anybody that was going in or around his price. Um, so it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Nick, I have a question for you. Go. This is hard-hitting fantasy an- analysis. Go. Do we even need to record this podcast live anymore, or can we just play a tape of Pat talking about Buxton? Because it's the same story every single time. I know. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like he just absolutely hates the player every time. But I, there's no denying the power and the speed, and Pat will admit to that. He does have the tools to be a productive player. Yes, he does. He does down. have – and he's able to get on the face. But I want to correct. I want to correct you for a second. Breakout. Hold on, wait a second. If Byron Buxton undergoes a breakout, I will not be stunned. But the people that buy him at the prices at which he's gone at are sucking a lot of the profit out of any potential breakout. But go ahead. I, and I want to correct you on one thing. So, first of all, one of the things you said was that he absolutely tore it up for a month last year. That's kind of untrue. He did it. Um, from July to September, um, September, October were definitely more underwhelming. 
but still a 270 average in those two months combined. 324 in August, 387 in what July. What were the strikeout rates? I don't have them in front of me, but it ticked back up. No, that you were right about. It did tick back up towards the end of the season. Um, I will say this. If you if you went out and drafted Buxton, and listen, I like the player, I did, and I, I talk, talking out of two sides of his mouth again, here it comes. No, I like the player, but there are definitely people who are a little too crazy with the ADP this year, hoping for this big, giant year from Buxton. Uh, right now, you have a couple of issues with Buxton. One, the Twins are actually winning ball games. And they're winning because they're putting guys that get on base at the top of the lineup. Um, so Dozier's leadoff, Maurer, and then Sano. I don't see them changing the formula anytime soon. Unless Buxton gets really hot, maybe. But if, they're, if they continue to win ball games, they're, they're going to leave him in the end of the lineup. Where if he's batting, if he sticks at 7, 8, or 9 on the Twins, I mean... What are you what are you hoping for as far as counting stats go? This could be like a Billy Hamilton esque year where I think last year, what do you have? Like 16 RBIs or something like that the year before last. Um, it could get really, really ugly. And yeah, he could go 2020. Let's just say he goes 2020 and bats 240. Let's just say. It's gonna come with no RBIs and runs. So and and we, we as we spoke of earlier, like 2020 just isn't that attractive no more. Look at Kiermaier, who I can't sell for a friggin' quarter right now. Well, tw- um, 2020 is a bad that podcast. 2020, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously. I know, are you guys in? 2020 isn't oh. so bad when you're like batting 260 and it was free. 2020 and 240 is bad when you paid 65th ADP for it. But all right, so here's my question to you guys because I, I brought it up. Is right now. Rest of the season, give me a run and RBI projection on Buxton. A real projection. Uh, because here's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking that he doesn't. I'm thinking that he doesn't move up. If you're the coach of the team, you're going with this one, two, three, right? I mean, you want Dozier, Mauer, so no, makes sense. I'm going um, with like 58 runs, like. 54 <laughs> RBIs. All right, Pat, what about you? I'll give him 125 combined runs in RBIs. Yeah, and that's terrible. That's terrible. You yeah. can't you, – even. that's what I'm saying. So my, my point is even if he steals 30 bases, let's up those totals. Even if he steals 30, he's still not rosterable. He's still like Rajai Davis. It's just whatever. So are you suggesting trading him? I'm suggesting that right now you have to hold be- unless there's somebody who's willing to pay a decent price for him, which they may be. Well, there, there might are just be, guys. Yeah. Who, there, there are guys that love Buxton out there. Um, so shop him. But what you're really hoping for is for him to get hot and then you sell him. Yeah. So I, I would sit tight for now, hope he gets hot and starts breaking out, and then you sell him. I, I just want to touch on one more thing. Um, I, I Forgive me, I don't know exactly who wrote this piece on Fangraphs. I think it was Zimmerman, um, who also does the Launch Echo Pod on the Fantrax Podcast Network, which you should che- check out. Nice um, plug. He, I believe the research was on Trey Turner, and it was about him batting sixth. And uh, the difference between batting first versus batting sixth over the course of a season was something like 65 plate appearances. And that doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot. 
but it's a lot. And we're not talking about a guy that's batting sixth. We're talking about a guy that's batting eighth. And yes, lineups change during the course of the season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As Nick said, though, this is a situation where there's not really a clear path for Buxton to rise in this lineup. They do not trust him at the dish. They have pinch hit for him in clutch situations. Yes. And they pinch hit That's Bobby bad. Grossman. That's bad. Ooh, Nick, you are breaking up. Yeah, Nick, you're breaking up a bit, but you might want to, you might want to adjust your uh, new microphone there. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, there is a strong possibility, especially with a guy that you're looking at for speed, that they could – that his speed could – like just not be at the level that you think it's going to be at. Um, you know, there are people out there rejecting this guy for 40 steals. And if you were projecting for 40 steals, you were thinking he was batting somewhere higher than eighth. So you might need to dock your projection right now, you know, five, six, seven, eight steals. Yeah. Until do I sound, you see him climb? Do I sound a little better? Yes. Yeah, you sound excellent. Better. All right. All right. So, and here's the thing. Now, all right, not only is he going to get the 60 or so less plate appearances, but it's a guy whose OBP has been crap since he's been in the league. So you 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 you, you tell yourself, all right, the plate appearances are shot. The OBP is shot. I don't know if he could even get to th- the magic number of 30 stolen bases. So I, okay. I don't know. Maybe shop him now before the floor completely falls out. All right. So, Pat, you're holding because chances are you spent up and you, you got to hold. Nick, you might consider selling. Yeah, it depends. Um, Listen, like I said, there, there's Buxton lovers, and you might be able to get something for them right now, even during the struggle. All right, let's please move on. Yeah. So, next, uh, we have Manny Margot. 44 plate appearances, one home run, three runs, three ribbies, two stolen bases, and a triple slash of 150, 227, 225. He was a, a popular breakout candidate with a, a change in approach uh, somewhere in the middle of last season. Um, what's the take on Margo? Does he does he get out of this slump, or is he is he what he is? Well, Pat Pat is the Margo owner, so I'm guessing he's watched him a little more. So tell us what you saw. Yeah. Um, okay. So he was dropped from the top of the lineup. He was put back there tonight. Um, but mostly the problem is batted ball quality and balls in play. Um, as Joe mentioned, he sort of underwent a change at the second half of last year. He raised his launch angle, I believe, at one of the highest, if not the highest rates um, in Major League Baseball. Um, but it, he has not carried that change over early this year. I believe he's got you know, three grounders for every fly ball. Early, yes, but Still, it's something to be aware of. That's not a deal breaker for Margot, though. Um, you know, this is a player that you're really buying for, you know, batting average, speed, runs, etc. Um, he doesn't need to have a great launch angle to, to have those. Um, there's no strikeout rate issue. There's no discipline issue, according to the numbers. And he's still walking at a pretty decent clip. Um, striking out 16% of the time, walking 9% of the time. He's got a uh, 156 Babbitt. Um, so this strictly looks like batted ball problems. As the guys mentioned, I'm an owner, and I would preach patience with Margo. Um, you know, stick them on your bench. There are other outfielders out there that you can play. Keep your eye out. 
he's going to heat up before long and then you plug him in and you take advantage and and he's at least providing some juice while he's not hitting i mean a homer and two steals over the course of 44 plate appearances isn't great but at least he's giving you something as opposed to nothing so i'm a little worried about margot uh, and it's not so much because of Margot's bad performance. It's because of Jose Perella's good performance. Um, so when Will, when Will Myers comes back, which I don't know, it may be in December sometime. No, but if it, when, when Will Myers does come back, uh, <laughs> there's going to be an issue here with this one through four. And I think Margot is the odd man out, especially because of his early season struggles. Um, when Myers does come back, I'm guessing they're going to probably go with something like Perella Hosmer, uh, Myers, and then whoever they put it for. Uh, so Margot may find himself, you know, post five on the San Diego Padres lineup, which is the danger zone. Um, and I am not that big of, yeah, it's, I'm just not that big of a believer in the power. I do think he does have good speed and he's, he's a good contact hitter and the average could be there. Uh, but I just don't think he's going to be worth owning this year. The, the counting stats are not going to be there, and he doesn't provide enough juice in either pop or stolen base. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, your boy, Kevin Kiermaier. So ah. 35 plate appearances, 094, 171, 156, triple slash. It's awful. Zero home runs, two runs, one ribby. What's the deal, dude? I would never trade Kevin Kiermaier. <laughs> Ever. This is like uh this is like um you're like at an auction right now and, and you own Kevin Kiermaier and all you're trying to do is get rid of him. Starting at two fab dollars. Can I get two fab dollars? <laughs> crickets, crickets, anyone? Hot potato over here. Yeah, um you know what? if Kiermaier wasn't an outfielder, he would definitely uh, have more shelf life, but outfield is so friggin' deep right now. There are so many kids that look really good um, that, you know, I'd rather have Jesse Winker right now over him. I'd rather have Jose Perella over him straight up. Um, so I, I, the problem with Kiermaier, his ADP is always poor and he's off to a poor start. So that means right now he's got zero value whatsoever. You can't sell him for anything. But I do think that he's going to bounce back. He last year was in the midst of a breakout before he got injured, 15-16. He basically paced out for 25-plus, 25-plus with a solid average and good OPP. Um, I think when he comes back, he'll be fine. He'll get it together. The K rate's obviously extremely inflated right now at 40%. That's going to come way down. Um, The hard contact rate is down, but he'll turn it around and just be patient. The the beef I have with Kiermaier is that so last year on a pretty decent raise offense, he scored 56 runs and 39 RBIs. I know that was in a year where he was hurt, but man, this offense is horrendous. Yeah. So, I mean, he might be, he might be in like Buxton territory scoring runs and, and RBIs. I mean, he's definitely going to be under, yeah, but 100. he's definitely not in Buxton territory because he's locked into the leadoff. Like no matter what, when he's healthy, he'll be leading off. So he'll get the plate appearances, and he, he'll he'll get the pop and and the speed, um, and he'll he'll get you the runs as well. Last year he was shifted around the lineup a lot. There was a lot of plays on that team. Yeah, I mean Kiermaier 
has the injury now. I I agree with Nick that forty percent K rate is absolutely not going to stick. Um, he does. He has um, had a recurrence of his pop up issues, which underlies his really poor bab at the start of the season. We've seen Kiermaier start slow before and find himself. Um, he's sort of like Buxton in that sense, except Kiermaier is a much cheaper asset. Um, I, I agree with Nick. I, I think I would have to hold on Kiermaier at this point. And, um, you know, if I find an owner that's absolutely desperate, who's bringing up selling him about 15 times on a podcast, I, I might throw an offer. Um, but <laughs> um, I, I still think that Kiermaier has, has a lot of upside. Uh, Joe, to your point, um, what I think ended up happening last year with Kiermaier was one, uh, the counting stats weren't there because he missed some time. Yeah. And then two, he also um, got bumped from the top of the lineup because he started slow. And thus, when he found his way back there, it was late in the year. And it just didn't have enough time, I think, to make up the counting number um, difference. I think if he had played the full year, though, he would have paced out to about like 80 runs or something like that. All right. Uh, our last outfielder, Mitch Hanniger. Mitch. So uh, 34 plate appearances, 296, 441, 556, two home runs, four runs, six RBIs. Um, last year with Hanniger, he was pretty much a, a very similar player. He just got hurt. Um, so does he do it for a full season? Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, Henniger's shown good command in the strike zone, he, which was a little up and down last year. Um, he's been hitting the ball hard, and if he stays healthy, I think he'll continue to do so for the most part. Um, he's a hitter where you watch, and, and the ball just tends to pop off his bat with power to all fields. Um, I think he could be a 25-10, 280 type in the middle of a pretty good lineup. Um, which would be a major profit from where he was drafted. Um, he's got a 17% walk rate. He's striking out just 12% of the time. Uh, the BABIP is not overwhelming in, by any means. It's 286 at this point with a 30% line drive rate. So I think he's got some luck coming his way. Um, and I think the power is pretty for real. Um, you know, there's been several instances where he's hit the ball to the track this year. Um, so I, I think that if he can avoid injury, he's going to be, uh, a pretty good profit for his owners. Yeah. And one thing I didn't notice about Mitch, I guess when I looked at in the past was how good the OBP really was. Um, and so far this year it's at 441. That's pretty damn sweet. So he definitely gets a boost in OBP leagues. Um, as far as the power sticking, Right now, he's at a 92.44 average exit velo with a 23.18 launch angle. That's, that's really good. Juicy. That's where you want it to be. Yeah, that's where you want it to be. So uh, the power, I- I'm a believer as far as the stack cast goes. Um, so I-, I like him. I'm not quite sure why, and maybe you have an answer to this, as to why all the experts have him projected for like 20-ish pop. I kind of see him like, like approaching 30 this year. Do you mean the experts? Or you mean the projection systems, the projection systems, uh, part of it's, he's a player that sort of came on late 
um, in his minor league career. Um, you know, he underwent the swing change at a older um, age than, you know, is normal for a prospect. Uh, part of it is he's been injured um, during his brief stint in the majors. And, um, yeah, and I think part of it's just a lack of a track record at this point. All right. Um, I'd just like to mention right now that Taylor Williams – is pitching for the Brewers. So we'll follow this live and see if he can close this out. Oh, Taylor Who Williams. Who is nice. Taylor Williams? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was actually called up this Sunday. So Oh, oh boy. That's what we're talking about right now. And by so, the way, Ryan Madsen came in for the save tonight, FYI. All right. I saw that. All right, so let's move on to starting pitchers. So um, let's start off with the headliner, uh, Shohei Otani. Mm, here we go. Um, he looked bananas. You guys knew we were going to get to him. We, we have to talk <laughs> about him. So so what are you doing here? Are you holding on? Do you like the upside? Does it change if he's uh, if he if he's got both hitters hitter stats and pitcher stats or if he's separate? Let's break this down. For, all right. So first of all, we've been talking about this off air. I, I texted you guys like out of curiosity. I, I texted. This is a real text. Would you trade Shohei Otani right now in a league non-Yahoo, so where he's one player for Mike Trout? This is a real question right now. Now they both said no. Well, I think it's only real. I think it's only a semi-real question in daily lineup leagues. In daily lineups, yes, where he has both. You have to clarify that. Yeah. So in daily lineup leagues where he has both, and what I said was, all right, if he if if he gives you the really good pitching stats, like let's say that he is able to throw out like a Darvish-esque year and then gives you an added 20 home runs from a starting pitcher position, how valuable is that? Does it make him more valuable than a guy like Trout or Arenado or these top guys? So I I kind of think it does. What are your, what are your guys' take on that? Well, I mean, in the first instance, I don't expect Otani to quite blow the doors off like he has um, in the early season. Um, we had spoken about this when we talked about Otani, and we expected that he would come out early, start hot, um, go through an adjustment period, and then level off at the end of the year. And that's I mean, at this, at this point, it is holding true to form. Yep. Um, he is coming out of the gates red hot, and we will see where he ends up. Um, you know, I was the high man on Otani on the podcast. If I could sell him for a top 35 asset right now, I would do it. Um, just because. Otani is not without his questions. Uh, you know, you've got the elbow problem that was identified in the offseason. You've got potential fatigue issues. You've got potential innings issues. Um, you've got the fact that he's playing both ways, which increases his chance for injury. Um, you know, there are there are red flags here. And he is he has that buzz 
that makes his value higher than maybe it should be because he's, I mean, he's the funnest player in baseball to own at this point. If you can play him both ways, and you know, I know this is a, this is a, this is a very format specific thing, but if you're in a daily league and you can play him both days, who doesn't love the idea of taking him, seeing his, seeing his name penciled into the lineup as a hitter and taking him from the pitcher spot up into the hitter spot and playing him that day and watching him hit. Um, you know, there is something to be said for that. Uh, so, I mean, that's my take. I, I, I think that you, I think he's going to be good. I obviously had him as, you know, right around SP 20. And I think that's where he ends up in terms of starting pitcher value. Uh, you know, I'll give him up until if he, if he hits, he hits 300 plate appearances and hits, you know, at a good power pace. I mean, I guess I, I guess I could push him as high as maybe SP 16. Um, but I would have a lot of trouble pushing him higher than that. So wait, can, can you answer the question that I had before? If he, if he turns in a Darvish esque year, as far as pitching goes, Mm-hmm. And is able to pr- give you. He already has three, so let's say he gives you twenty home runs over the course of three hundred plate appearances. Yeah, then he's probably equivalent to in an S- everyday in, in the format where he's it's daily and where he has. Yeah, both. I would I say mean, he's probably like top five in theory. That's- yeah, but I mean, you're talking about like a perfect scenario, you know, like. So what's but what's the what's the average scenario like what's right now is it it's probably more so we your weekly Otani and both that's like the high percentage as far as leagues go like what he is. Well, I think there's more weekly leagues than daily leagues if that's your question. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So it's there's more weekly and in most formats he has both. Uh, you know, he's he's one player. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So in that format, having turned out that kind of year where he's. You got to pick and choose. He's not really. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're pretty much. He, he's not really not a hitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and something I'd like to to add on to this too, right? Uh, Barnes, Barnes just threw another wild pitch. Game side. Barnes came in too after the Taylor Williams era is over. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> something I want something I want to add though too, right? Is that after three home runs off the bat, all pretty impressive home runs. And then the lights out starting pitching performance where he was pretty, he was literally perfect for a long portion of that, right? His value is never going to be higher, right? Like people, there is, I can almost guarantee you in every league everywhere, there's another person aside from the owner that would definitely pay up. So I would I would totally be looking to to sell right now. There there is so much to talk about with this guy. There is so like so many different ways you could go. So all right, if you're the Otani owner, like we said in a in a weekly league where he's both, what are you targeting? Would you trade? Would you trade him for Jose Quintana? Weekly league, yes. In a weekly league, wow. Yes. Okay, Joe. See, I think I think the reason why the I throw hitting Quintana, doesn't matter in a weekly league, you can throw the hitting out. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, you can throw the hitting it's out. Mi- it's completely meaningless. So, okay. so no, I'm not. You wouldn't. What about Darvish? 
Definitely not. Oh, okay. like I would, I would take Darvish. Oh, right, you so you yeah, would take so asking. you would you would trade oh. for Darvish. You would not yeah, trade for Quintana. I would take Darvish. I would definitely okay. take Darvish. Okay. And what right. about Otani the hitter? Where is the value for Otani the hitter? Uh, it's it's In still a weekly not that format. High for there is none. It's still not that high for me. Well, in, a weekly, in a weekly format where he's one player, it's completely meaningless. In a daily format, he's like Steve Pierce. Yeah. You're combining yeah. like you're basically combining you Darvish and Steve Pierce. Yeah. Okay. All right. We we done with Otani? I think so. I think we've yep. done enough. All right. All right. So next up is Robbie Ray. Um he's got decreased velo, increased uh strikeout per nine. Uh-oh. Skyrocket walks and giving up home runs and runs all over the place. So, Nick, he's your boy. What's up? Yeah, he's my boy. Uh, but if you took him, you understood that he is a little volatile. And he could definitely lose all control at times. Um, but last year, he obviously took major strides in the right direction, which I predicted. Thank you very much. Um, and he was awesome. But... He goes through periods like this where he cannot find the strike zone. And it's scary because it could be a very prolonged uh, it could be a very prolonged to- amount of time, which we've seen in the past from him. Uh, control has always been an issue at Rays, and if he doesn't find it soon, he, I think he's the type type of guy where like if if you look at the pitchers that were going around him, if all of them started off and struggled together, Robbie Way would be the one that loses the least amount of value. Robbie Way. Robbie Ray would be the one that loses the, the most amount of value because I think he was still a question mark in a lot of people's minds, and he was the most recent breakout. Do you kind of agree with that? Like, so if Quintana got off to a really bad start, and if Verlander and the guys that were going around him, you, uh, this would be the guy that loses the most value. Yeah, I would actually agree with that because he is he is perceived as the most volatile of those assets. So – my point is, right now, I think this is a, an amazing buying opportunity for Ray because the stuff is still there. Um, he, I think he will find the control. Uh, he's it, the control has been bad, but it's been consistent. He, you know, he's had a sub, he's been sub four base on balls per nine over the last four or five years. So, go out and buy him. Hope for another bad start, and just go out and trade Otani the pitcher for him. Eh, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> I said that a little too fast. Yeah, uh, the velocity's down. He normally starts a little slower in terms of his velo, but it's lower than he's been before. Um, if he stays down, that's really concerning because he's got minus command. So he really needs that velocity because it makes everything play up. If he stays down and then has a good start or two, I probably try and move him, and maybe even get aggressive on a guy I like um, that was a little lower. Um, but this is all dependent on where his velocity is over the course of the next two or three starts. If he starts to tick back up, I'm confident enough that he's going to produce, at least in the in the K column that I'm willing to hold. But I need to see that velocity come back a little bit. Um, in order to believe. And if it doesn't start to come back, I'm going to be selling pretty aggressively. Joe, how low is it? 
Uh, I don't have the actual. I think number. he's down two miles per hour. But oh, wow. the the thing is, though, is that's the average. The um, like his peaks and his starts are pretty much almost identical to the first two starts of last year. Okay. Um, and the lows are are pretty similar too. But that's so, the most important, I think. I mean, if he's able to hit ninety six, ninety seven on the gun, you know, if he's able to get it up. Well, so like last. Yeah, I don't agree year, with that. I think it's more important that you're consistently that you're maintaining. It. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's early in. It's also early in the season, and it's cold. Where and I gotta check where his starts have been. I, I think you do. I think you do have to take a little bit of a wait and see approach because he did ramp it up. Like as he got stronger as the year went on, and that's pretty common for a lot of starting pitchers. Um. So I, I'm not really too, too worried yet. Maybe another three starts and it's real down, then I'm definitely panicking. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, next up, we got Jose Barrios. So uh, he's been kind of like a little all over the place. He's flashed brilliance. He's had some so-so starts. Uh, how, where do we think he ends up? Get it, Pat. Hate. Yeah, I mean, I was down on him before the year began, and I'm not convinced at this point. Um, the controls look good, and he seems to have better command, but he's still not generating the whiffs. He's still a fly ball pitcher. If the control is taking a leap, it might be enough to bring his skills to match his results from last year. Remember, this was a guy that um, had peripherals that were in the mid-fours, while his ERAs was in the ERA was in the high threes, but with where you were buying him, he you were paying for another level, and I'm not sure I see it right now. Uh, but what is encouraging is that he's not walking guys. I mean, that's that's kind of like was an issue of his in the past. Like when he first came up, uh, the walks per nine were insane. He was really all over the place. But right now, just 0.66 based on balls, balls per nine. It's going to go up. But if he keeps that under three on the year, uh, we, we could see a really nice season out of Barrios. He has the stuff. But, yes, he's extremely inconsistent start to start and gets really frazzled sometimes, like in, in, in inning to inning. He could come out and look, like, flawless and then completely lose it, kind of like Chris Archer-esque. Um, but yeah, listen, I, I, I kind of think that it's, it's kind of real. It depends on what you're expecting. I mean, the ADP was a little high, but if he gives you what he did last year, um, then there's a somewhat of a return in value. Uh, I kind of like Barrios going forward, but he's still uh very high risk. All right. Uh, next up, we got another diamondback starting pitcher, Patrick Corbin. Um, he's pitching right now. He's pitching great right now. He's been awesome. Lots of sliders. Uh, we believe pretty much, right? Yeah, we love Corbin. This is this is definitely a pro Corbin podcast. Uh, we've been on him forever. The stuff is so good. The breaking stuff is insane. Um, last year, uh, when did he get the Tommy John? The the year before last, right? Um, I think uh, he's two and a half years removed years, from it. Two and a half. Yeah, so my point is is that he's pitched enough innings where I'm not really too worried anymore. Last year, I'm actually looking at it right now, 190 innings pitched. The year yeah, before, he's right in the middle of the honeymoon period. Yeah, led the year before 155. So 
I'm kind of not worried about the uh, the injury anymore. And I'm kind of feeling the way I was in like 2013, 2015, where this kid could be a real breakout. The breaking stuff is so, so, so filthy. Um, I think the K per nine could uh, sit around 10 and he's got, he's always had pretty good command and control. So he's got enormous upside and I, I, I Pat, do you own Corbin right now? Yeah, I own him multiple places. Okay, so right now, he's off to – right now, he's probably the best he'll be all season, definitely. Mm-hmm. But are you trying to sell him right now? I'm not trying to, but I would listen if somebody came knocking. Okay, wait. So let me ask you guys this. Um, if – let's say you're the Ray owner, and in two starts, his velo is still down. No. It's still – Corbin is still uh, too low for Ray. Yeah, I think Corbin's. I you're buying. You. You're buying more volatility. I agree with you both. Yeah. Just, just throwing it out there. What about, what about, um, what about? Would you trade Barrios for Corbin? No. I would, but I would probably do that now. <laughs> I think. I think as much as I hate Barrios, I think I'd still rather have Barrios over Corbin right now. I don't too. know. Um, To me, Berrios is just—you know—it's funny because he's—he's Buxton's teammate, but he's—he's more style than he is substance at this point, in my opinion. Um, Corbin's interesting though, because Corbin's kind of—you know—like you—you read things and the skeptics say, "Well, he's a two-pitch guy. He's a two-pitch guy," but he's not really a two-pitch guy. Um, You know, he's. Sort of throwing like a change-up slider, um, where he's got you know a mid eighties, mid to low eighties velo slider. That's his hard slider, and then he's got like a mid seventies velo slider. So he's kind of turned that slider that is one of the best in baseball into two separate pitches, and that's really been the difference here. And it started last year, but he's absolutely taken it to another level this year. Like. That pitch is, or, or those pitches are just unhittable at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got seven Ks tonight through three innings or whatever. I mean, he's he's absolute filth right now. Yeah. The problem is that he did have Chami John, and he's throwing the slider a lot. It's a lot on the arm to do that for an entire season. Yeah. Yep. All it's right. a risk. But All right. where you bought him, you're not really worried about that. Yeah. Next up, we got Sean Mania. Um, he's strung together a few good starts in a row now. Um, are you looking to sell high, or do you believe? Yeah, he's, he's also pitching, pitching tonight. Yeah, he's, he's pitching, pitching right well. Now. Uh, so Mania. Um, when he was coming up, I thought that he would have like a really, really strong K per nine that it would translate. And it just hasn't, he's just like not striking out guys, uh, especially this season. Um, yeah. The ERA is nice at 1.15 and tonight I'm watching, I got the game on right now. He's been pretty decent. He's only given up two runs and they were both solo shots. Um, but in order for him to be like a real valuable fantasy asset, the K per nine has got to go up. Um, and, He's got the breaking stuff. I mean, I, you watch the guy, and the stuff is good. Uh, the slider is nice. He's just got to throw it more. 
Uh, he's not really throwing the slider as much as he should. Uh, the changeup is nice, and I, I like to. I just I'd like to see him do switch up the pitch mix a little bit and throw the breaking stuff a little bit more. That's the bottom line. Does that the K rate could go up? I mean, I, I think that Manaya's looked really good this year from an eye test perspective, and he was really good last year, uh, aside from a dreadful month where he lost a bunch of weight. And I think it had something to do with some kind of medication he was on or some kind of medication he fell off of or a change in medication, something to do with that. But he, he, there was a clear outlier month. I believe it was August where, I mean, he pitched like 30 innings and only struck out 15 batters and walked something like 16 or 17. Um, but I mean, this year he's looked sharp. He has the pedigree and I think he's beginning to cash in. I'm on board. All right, one more starting pitcher, Mike Miner. Uh, Nick, t- tell us why Mike Miner is worth g- trading after or picking up on waivers. Well, I'm really curious because Pat threw in something the other day and said he's a ticking time bomb. I don't see that at all. There's been a little bit of luck this year so far as far as Babbitt goes, but uh, Pat, tell me why he's a ticking time bomb. I'm, bomb. I'm really curious about okay, this. Okay, so he's – a slightly above average velocity lefty. Um, Nick, I think what you like about him, if I'm not mistaken, is that he's throwing the slider more than he did in his previous mm-hmm. run as a starter. But he's giving up a lot of fly balls and a lot of hard contact in Arlington. Um, the velo is also down back to what it was when he was a starter. Yeah, the that's concerning. The fly balls, the hard contact is concerning. The fact that the walks are up around, up near four per nine is concerning. It, those are just really, really bad. That's like a really bad mix. That's a Molotov cocktail. Um, you know, there's not outstanding velocity for him to rely on. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, the pain is coming. All right. So, Here's the thing with minor. The the thing that you look at right away and that is attractive is the K rate. Last year as a reliever, 10.20 uh, Ks per nine. This year it translated as a starter so, so far at 10.15. Um, and although he doesn't have the velocity, if you look at his pitch mix and look at the swinging strike, he has three, uh, three or four. I, I, I know it's at least three pitches that have a 15% or more swinging strike rate, rate which is really, really good. I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> like an idiot. Bobby like Way. Bobby Way in his sweet Well, but when I finish on Mike Weiner's walk weight, please. <laughs> um, listen, uh, like I said, I think the K rate's going to stick. There, if you Like I said, the swinging strike rates are all really good. There's no reason to see that, that that's going to go down. And as far as the walk rate, it's livable at 3.38 with a 10.13 K per nine. So I don't really mind it. Um, his last 87 innings pitched, which is approximately half a season, put it together, and it's 2.54 ERA, uh, 10.19 K per nine, and three. I'm sorry, 2.92 base on balls per nine. That's a really good half season. Um, there's nobody threatening his job right now. He's gonna stick in that rotation. Uh, until he gets blown up, but I don't think I just don't think it happens. And I think that your points are kind of 
I think you're reaching a little bit. The stuff has been good. And the walk rate isn't that bad at 3.38. I, I mean, you're making it like it's a big deal, but 3.38 is not that bad, Pat. No, that that's actually not bad. It's just I think I might that- have had dyslexia on that walk rate. I think I had it in my mind as 3.83. Oh yeah, that's a that's a completely different story. But no, three point three eight right now. Okay, it, so that's a little different. It's still well, not great. It's just the fact that those 87, 88 innings have come across two starts. So I I don't know. Yeah, no. Listen, hundred percent. There's there are definitely question marks. And right now, the ground ball rate is sixteen point seven this yeah, year, that's which is what I was getting at. Which that's is that's an issue. Balls. He's gonna give up. He's gonna give up bombs. The issue yeah. is gonna be: Are people going to be on base when he gives up bombs? Well, look, yeah. last last year, 2.55 is a reliever. If, let's just say, the ERA this year settles up around 3.9, he's still oh, rosterable. That's, awesome. that's Yeah, he's that's still, good. Yeah, he's still definitely rosterable because of the Ks and the walks and the ratios. I mean, even a 3.9, that's below that's below average. So he's yeah, that's well below league average right now. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's quickly go into to relievers. Um, let's wrap this up quick. So we got uh, in Baltimore – Brad Brock has uh, seemingly settled in with Darren O'Day next in line, and Givens is a multi multi inning guy. Um, any dispute there? No, no, that's right. That situation is pretty clear right now. O'Day's the handcuff, and Givens is your talented multi inning guy. All right. Um, in L.A., uh, I mean, who the hell knows what Mike Sosha is thinking? Parker rebounded in a couple of save in a couple of chances since his last blown opportunity. Speculation has been Middleton. Um, Bedrosian's been awful. Thoughts? Get Jim Johnson Jim in there now. You might as well. Yeah. He's been yeah. good. He's I think, been great. I think Middleton's going to get the next opportunity. And the way these things work, if Middleton gets the next opportunity and converts, and then he converts the next one after that, suddenly he's got some leash. Um, Parker and Johnson are both lurking. Um, you're, you're Going to have to read the tea leaves when it comes to those two and see who sets up Middleton, if it is indeed Middleton. Um, it, it's a mess. I uh, See, I think I'd ha- I'd rather have Jim Johnson because he's pitching the best, and he has pitched the best in- into last year too. So I don't I, think I, that he's pitched better than Middleton. Middleton hasn't given up a run yet. No, I, mean, I meant like into last year though. Oh, okay. I thought he was bad last year. Didn't even he, he was bad last year. Was it was five point five. Yeah, you're thinking of the year, year. before, Joe. Um, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm fake news. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, St. St. Louis Holland pitched um, last night and walked the world. Uh, Bud Norris has gotten the opportunities since Leon imploded, and he's been clean. Although I think he gave up a run today. Correct. So, I'm checking um, right now. It's still Greg Holland's job, right? Yes, it's still Greg, Greg's Holland's Greg Holland's job, but Bud Norris has been really, really, really good. Well, he and just gave up a run today. That's I'm just in in the last couple of years. Yeah, but it wasn't yes. a safe situation. It's tie game. That it's true. it's still Holland's job, and he's got to own. It's not even close. All right. Um, I think that Norris might have the job for like two weeks while Holland gets himself sorted out. Yeah, and Jordan Hicks is like super interesting if you're like scraping. Yeah, he's like five. Yeah, and I mean it's really just the fastball. Yeah, he's like five, but he's also like fire. Yeah, he is. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Arizona. Boxberger's been good. Um, Hirano or, or Bradley, if for some reason Boxberger gets hurt or uh, struggles. 
Bradley already got a save, and he looks amazing again this year. He is definitely the guy to own. I think it's Hirano. I think it's Hirano, too. Uh, because Bradley's like hater. Keep him, Economics matters, him. people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, LA. So, uh, Jansen worked an extra inning save, giving up one hit and striking out three. A sigh of relief for his owners. Is uh, Fields next in line? And is there any reason to be concerned about Jansen anymore? Um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but the Velo was still down on yeah, Jansen, and he, and he did work himself into a bit of trouble. Correct? Yeah, it's still definitely down. Yeah, and he's walking guys. Um, I would still be concerned with Jansen, and if I'm the Jansen owner, I, I would just go out and shop him right now for a guy like Morrow or you know those that next tier of closers who could be just as good. Um, because I I kind of feel like a DL stint is in the near future. Okay, actually, um, we're all wrong. His last two starts, or his last two appearances, he's actually been around his career average. Oh, well, that's, that's but different. But where so. has he been relative to last year? Uh, it's actually like smack in the middle, okay. like right right where he was. Okay. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, the only thing I have to add is, is that if I'm the Jansen owner, I'm still – holding fields and if i don't have him i'm picking him up because i think fields is a perfectly capable reliever to take you know two inning two, uh, two weeks worth of jansen's work if jansen goes on the dl and you just don't want to lose the volume and right now jansen's healthy so nobody's on fields the second jansen goes on the dl you've lost your chance to get him all right that wraps up the show um thanks as always for listening um Hit us up on Twitter with your questions. Any questions, Dynasty, Daily, Weekly, any format you want. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JoeFWO. Pat, where can they find you? Patrick FWO. And Nick? Uh, we're all very original. Nick FWO. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.